yet part of being a leader is being humble and showing some vulnerabilities that you do have. And it, it's, 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 I guess like it's more of like an oxymoron where, or contradictory, where you think by, that by showing weakness that you become weak, no, you actually become much more powerful and stronger mm -hmm. as a leader saying, look, this is where I messed up. This is how I made myself better. This is how I got stronger. And this is how I improved in an area. Talking about those things, you just have to trust in the process that your followers are going to buy into you as a more authentic and genuine human being that does have flaws, mm -hmm. just like everyone else. So it's more of convincing people to kind of get over it and you know, taking the volume down on their ego knob just a little bit and saying, look, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to put yourself out there. People are going to like you a lot more because of it. Mm, that's so beautiful. And that's one thing I found on my journey too. It's like, I feel like I pushed away being vulnerable for so long. And as soon as I began just embracing that side of things, the level of embrace from others was just unmatched. It was beautiful. So is that something that you're seeing happen with the clients that you have as well? Just the more they can share, the more welcoming others are. Very much, very much. Mm -hmm. It's amazing when a leader can tell a transformational story about their own life. And they tell me every single time people come up to them afterwards and thank them for telling that transformational mm -hmm. story. And it just works every single time. It's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. You don't want to tell, obviously, like a super sad story without any type of you know light at the end of the tunnel. But you also don't want to tell those stories that are full of just bragging and accomplishments. You do want to find the really good, solid middle ground of you know a few failures or just a few messes. It doesn't have to be a major failure. It can just be a mess that you had and how you cleaned it up and what you did to make it better. Mm. Yes, I love this. And now as a lot of the listeners here are entrepreneurs, how can leaders begin to use these stories in marketing their products, marketing their services? Sure. I go to another book that I'm reading. So I'm a big reader. Um, it mm -hmm. just comes to the territory of being a writer. Um, there's a really great book. It just got released. It's called Founder Brand by Dave Gerhart. And that's part okay. of what he goes into in the book is he talks about founders of any company wrapping up their marketing in their own story. So let's mm -hmm. say, you know, you have a company where you created a food bar of that, you know, was allergy free. Um, you know, why did you create that food bar? Why did you create that recipe? What motivated you to do that and to tell that story behind it? So often you have moms and dads who are inventing products because of issues their children faced. Well, tell that story. Tell why you couldn't find the solution that was uh, that the marketplace should have provided, and why you are that solution. Or what was the problem in your own life that you went out to solve that couldn't have been solved by anyone else? So that's the story that you want to tell as your founds as the founder of a company. And if you can do that, um, you're going to have a much stronger case to make that people are going to emotionally resonate with you a, a lot more strongly than if you just you know marketed based on features and benefits of your product, which anyone can do. But if you've got a powerful founder story, tell that and use that in your marketing and you've got a leg up over the competition. Mm, yes, I love that. I love that so much. And I have a few companies that are coming to mind right now and they stood out so much because they were using that. And so, yeah, so beautiful. So we've got 
a way to share stories and especially sharing the vulnerable bits, right? Turning our mess into our message. So then something that's coming up right now for me is how do you choose the topic then for the speech? Does there need to be a specific outcome for what you're looking to take the audience through? What I see a speech as is a conversation with the audience. So what I when I'm working with like business leaders, founders of companies, keynote speakers, I ask them first, you know, what are the questions that are on your audience's mind? What do you want to answer for what they are asking? And that will give you a really good insight into the topics that you want to talk about. So this could be a sales conference where people may want to know what is the next product and what are its features and benefits. And sure, you want to talk about those at that particular time. Or it could be a business conference where people want to know well, not just what is your product, but what is the why behind your product? What is the motivation for it? And you want to then answer that question. So it really comes down to imagining your ideal audience, brainstorming the questions that you know are going to be on their mind, and then creating a speech that simply answers those questions. I've known mm. speakers that um, right before they get up on stage, they go around to the audience and even ask them questions that are on their mind and then use them in their presentation saying, hey, I talked to Sally right before this presentation and she asked me about this, so I'm gonna go ahead and answer her question. So that's one other trick that you can do to make your topic even more relevant to your audience. Mm, thank you so much. This is such valuable information. And now I've got to bring this in because prior to jumping on this call together, you actually mentioned how you were doing outreach to get on shows such as this. So how would somebody listening go about getting these speaking engagements using a similar strategy to what you use to get on this podcast? Sure. If we're talking just podcasts, um, I can definitely talk a little bit about that. Um, getting speaking engagements for um, keynote speeches is a little bit more involved. You either need a agent behind you or a, pod or a booking agency, or you have to talk to the people that are actively booking speakers. Um, the speaker lab that Grant Baldwin has put together is a really good resource for that. Um, and I would recommend it 100% and we can put that in the show notes afterwards. Um, but for podcasts, I have two platforms that I really love tremendously. Uh, one is podmatch.com and then the mm -hmm. other is podseeker.co. Podmatch okay. works like a dating website where you get matched with other pod, uh, podcasts that are out there. And if it's a good match, you get to go on to that person's show. Uh, Podseeker works more like a database of um, just sales leads where they have a database of podcasts and the person's contact information. So you can search by keyword or by category, find a bunch of email addresses, and then you can pitch those email addresses individually. Or what I did in my case was I used a CRM called Lemlist, loaded them up, created my pitch and had it send out, send off the emails on my behalf. So there is the magic wow. behind getting on this show and many others. And honestly, I had no idea. It looked like you just emailed me out of the blue, just yourself. So Thanks. whatever you were using worked wonderfully. <laughs> Thank awesome. You. So I would love to hear what got you started down this path. Like, Oh yeah, so where did speech writing start for me? Mm -hmm. um, I would say back in college, I was a philosophy major, took classes on rhetoric, and then I was also part of the mock trial team. So it's kind of like debate, but for super nerds, where you mm -hmm. were like pretending to be lawyers 
and arguing a case against other schools across the country. Um, and they have this in middle schools, high schools, colleges, and law schools. Um, it's a ton of fun. So I learned how to give an opening statement, a closing argument, how to argue objections. And you know, you got real feedback from real attorneys afterwards. And truth be told, I thought I was going to be a lawyer for a while. Um, but right after college, I actually taught instead. A recruiter from Teach for America reached out to me and said, hey, besides law school, have you thought about teaching instead? I said, sure, I'll give it a shot and I'll try it out. Loved it, um, did it for two years in the Delta, the Mississippi Delta region, and then another three years in Austin, Texas. So five years total as an eighth grade science teacher. So the reason that works um, into the speech writing story is I didn't want to be a teacher for forever and decided mm -hmm. um, that that path just wasn't for me. The stress was too high and I just was not in a good place um, emotionally and mentally at that point to continue on. So I had to look for something else to do. And I thought I was going to actually be a public speaking coach because I had done mm -hmm. Toastmasters. I had all this speech writing background, but five years teaching didn't teach me how to run a business. It didn't teach me how to put together a website, how to go on podcasts, how to do content marketing. And I actually mm -hmm. failed in my first endeavor. And it was then that I found sites that were predecessors to Upwork, like Elance and Odesk and Guru.com, um, where people needed speeches. And I thought, okay, maybe if I can't teach others how to speak, I can at least just write the words that are on the paper and let them figure out the rest, which is what I did. And I got my first set of clients from these websites, and then finally taught myself how to put together a website, how to do content marketing, how to get referrals. And from there, the speech writing business grew. Wow. That's, it's so wonderful just hearing someone's story of transformation and truly stepping into this. So I appreciate you for sharing that. Okay. And so do you do many speeches of your own still like this, like this day and age, do you still get up on there? I do. I've actually returned to Toastmasters after a 10 year hiatus. So it's a group mm -hmm. of people that get together every week in a supportive environment and it's a club where people give speeches and you get to speak on impromptu topics as well called table topics and the whole point of it is to develop your public speaking and leadership skills in a supportive environment and um, it only costs i believe 45 bucks for six months um, so it's some of the best public speaking training that you can buy out there when you've got people charging a few hundred bucks per hour to do public speaking training. Um, it's one of the best uh, things to do out there. And yeah, you get to get up on stage, give a speech to people, you get evaluated on your speech, you get feedback on it, and you get to do different types of speeches for other people. So I did my icebreaker the other night, a few weeks ago, and I'm hoping to get back on the stage uh, next week or the week after to do the next one. What a cool idea. Now, are these online or are these in person or a mixture of both? It's a mixture of both. It really depends on the club. Each club decides how they're going to do their meetings. So all throughout the pandemic, everyone was online. But my club um, here in Shaker Heights, Ohio, has gone back to in-person meetings, finally. Uh, so it gives mm -hmm. me an opportunity to get out of the house um, and to you know be social, at least, for a little bit. So that's what I love um, a lot about the club as well, is it's also a social outlet, making new friends and networking as well. It sounds right up my alley. I might have to check that out. I appreciate you for mentioning this. So, so we've discussed a lot in terms of like creating your speech, the topic to choose. Is there anything else that's coming to mind for you that you get asked 
a lot about this, like things that you work through with your clients? A lot of clients really want to know how to memorize a speech. That's a big thing for them. And I, what I tell them instead is to internalize the speech. And I use a, a technique called scaffolded memorization, where you write out what you want to say word for word, and you get really comfortable with the speech as it is. And you give it a number of times until you're comfortable. Then you rewrite it again on your computer, except you just put the big ideas down on the page. So you want to create a really just kind of robust outline. Then you give the speech just from that outline and see how it goes. Forgive yourself for not getting every single word right or every word in the right place, like every and, the, and but. And then once you're comfortable giving it from that outline, you create a shorter outline. And then you just repeat the process over and over and over again until the outline you have can just fit onto note cards. And those are there just as backup. So that's how I tell people to internalize their speech um, rather than try to memorize every single word in it. You want to really go for the big ideas that are in there. And if you can do that, you're going to have a much more solid speech and smooth delivery. Mm, wonderful. Wonderful. Now I have to ask, have you ever bombed a public speaking event or a speech? And what oh, did you yeah. learn from that if you have? I very much have. Um, I thought we were going to talk about this a little bit earlier when we were talking about the mess to mess story. <laughs> it's like, I was like, oh, that's the perfect lead in to start talking about my own messes in life. Um, but yeah. I like up now. It, and it went back um, 10 years ago when I was um, doing Toastmasters. And uh, what, what they have is a series of competitions every year. And you can enter different types of competitions for speeches that you can give. The most famous being the international speech competition. So when someone says they're a world champion public speaker, that usually means they've won the international public speaking com competition at Toastmasters. Mm -hmm. Well, what I did is I entered the humorous speech competition. And the first level that you do is your club level. So the group that you meet with every week, you have to compete there first. So the first night, it went incredibly well. I had everyone laughing. All the stories were perfect. It was just a really good time. And I thought to myself, wow, I can do this. So then I move on to the second level of the competition. It's with a, group, a room full of strangers, people I just did not know. Um, I remember everyone came dressed incredibly well. It felt a little bit like church. And mm -hmm. um, I was a little bit intimidated by the crowd. Well, I get up there. I give the first story of my speech. And it was just absolute silence. I give the second story, which was supposed to be an even funnier story. And I get that kind of like tepid laughter, that very polite laughter. It's like, oh, we think this is funny, but we're not really sure. And my mind was just racing. I knew I was bombing because this humorous speech was supposed to be funny. And it definitely wasn't at that point. And I sat down just deflated and defeated. And it was then luckily that my mentor, Mike, was there. And he said, look, Eddie, it's painful, but it's worth it. And that stuck with me. And in, in, in him saying that, I got back up on more stages after that. I stayed with public speaking. I stayed with Toastmasters. I said, I'm going to keep working at this. And I'm going to work to make sure that others don't go down the same path that I did. Wow. Well, what a wonderful story. And I appreciate you for sharing that. But I love how you used it as fuel and motivation to keep going. Is it? I'm sure at some point when that happens in someone's career, they might just be like, well, 
wasn't for me, but you didn't let that stop you. And now look at how far you've come. It's just such an incredible story. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. that happens very often with people is they have one bad experience with public speaking and they allow that to be the story they tell themselves for the rest mm -hmm. of their life. And I want to tell you that, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. You can go back to Toastmasters and try again. You can go back to whatever platform it was that you failed on and try again and rewrite a new story for yourself. It doesn't have to be mm -hmm. one and done. You can go up there, write a new story for yourself and giving a better speech. Mm -hmm. Yes, I love that. And I feel like one of the biggest fears I've heard come across in people is speaking, especially public speaking in front of real people with eyeballs on them on a stage. So oh, it's <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. And do you feel like a lot of that is attached to a bad experience that's happened at some point in their life previously? Or I shouldn't even say, I shouldn't word it as bad, but that they took as a bad experience. Yeah, I think it's partly due to the fact that we just have negative experiences with public speaking. We get in our own heads and think we did a terrible job when in fact we did just fine mm. on stage. And two, it's just not something that we practice a lot. It's not as if we're putting together like a PowerPoint presentation or writing an email or doing all the other kind of daily things at work. Um, public speaking is much rarer for people. And because we don't practice it and get that feedback in a supportive environment, we don't grow. Um, very often we might practice it, but not get any feedback. And that's what prevents us from getting better at it. So that's why I recommend to anyone, you know, go to Toastmasters. You're going to get that feedback. You're going to get that positive reinforcement that you need to grow. Just getting up on the stage at work every once in a while isn't going to get you that feedback unless you truly seek it out from someone who can do it incredibly well. Um, but you still need those moments of practice to get better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And when we're talking about good and bad, what makes a speech memorable, whether it be good memorable or bad memorable? Ooh. So for bad memorable, I think that's pretty easy to do. Um, it's when the person is completely unprepared. And two, um, I talk about this a little bit in the book that I, that I wrote, Toe's Short Speech's Big Impact. Um, if someone has, uh, you know, drank too much before the ceremony, uh, that will also send the speech in the wrong direction. You can look up YouTube fails for wedding speeches, um, and you will find some very cringeworthy moments that were all fueled by alcohol. So I know people like to take a shot to calm the nerves, you know, but, you know, there's a difference between one shot and five. Um, so, you know, be aware of that. And on the flip side, for what makes it good, uh, what's it makes a good memorable speech, I would say it's the stories that you tell. Are you telling stories that are personal to you? Are you telling stories of triumph, stories that showed struggle, and eventually stories that showed that you did triumph over something, some sort of obstacle? Mm -hmm. um, that's what really makes the speech memorable. But then also on the flip side is preparation. There are speakers out there that think they can wing it. And it might have worked once or twice in the past, but at some point it's not going to work. And the more prepared speakers are, the better they can engage the audience. And that helps too with talking directly to your audience rather than reading PowerPoint slides right at them. Mm. Yeah, that's huge. And uh, what would be the number one tip that you have for someone who's really looking to captivate the audience? Ooh. 
it's really good. I think if it's coming down to a ceremonial speech, so if you're talking like a wedding toast or a an award speech or a promotion speech, some sort of short speech, it would be to honor the person and honor the event. If you can do those two things with your speech, mm-hmm. you're going to be in a really good spot um, in terms of being memorable. And then if it's just a keynote speech, you really want to answer your audience's questions. So just like you would research your target customer ahead of time to figure out what type of product to build for them, you want to use your speech the same way as an MVP, a minimally viable product, and say, how can I tailor this to my audience questions, my audience's needs, my audience's motivations? And if you can see your speech as a product that you're tailoring to your customer, then you're going to have a more memorable speech in the end than the person who gets up there and gives the stock answer and the stock speech that's not tailored at all to your audience. Mm, That makes sense. So that would circle back to what you said before with really pulling the audience and asking them questions prior to getting up on the stage. So you're prepared with that. Yeah. Very much. That's beautiful. Okay. And is there anything else that you feel called to share at this time for the audience? I think you have to view your own journey as a product. So I know a lot of you are business people and you're founders and you are running companies, um, but you have to view your own progress as a product in and of itself, that you're still going through version one, version two, version three, version four. You're never going to be done with the prototype that is your public set of public speaking skills or your ability to master the stage or to write a speech. Instead, every single time that you get up there is a chance to test, get market feedback, and improve your product. And I think if you can take that same philosophy to your own set of skills and habits that you have, you're going to be in a really good spot to grow and to learn and to master any skill. Hmm. Thank you so much for all of this lovely value. And to those listening who heard that you had a book, how can they find it? Uh, Right now, it's for pre-order on Amazon. The print and audio versions should be out on April 18th or after that. Uh, So just look for Toast, Short Speeches, Big Impact by Eddie Rice, and you'll find it uh, there on Amazon uh, ready for pre-order. I think I've got a pre-order discount at like $3.99 right now. So that's probably going to be the lowest it will ever be. So snatch it up now before I hike the price back up. Mm, thank you so much. And how else can they go about finding you? So we've got the book. What about social media? Yeah, I don't do a ton of social media. I just don't have the time. But you can find me on LinkedIn, um, Eddie-Rice. Um, I got one of the first early um, usernames on LinkedIn. So I'm pretty easy to find on there. And then just my website as well. I have a newsletter where I send out uh, weekly public speaking tips. So you can go to Rice Speech Writing, R-I-C-E, speechwriting.com. And you can find me there and just subscribe to the newsletter. And I send out exclusive content just for newsletter subscribers that I don't post anywhere else. And I love mm-hmm. having that small community um, over email and you know conversing with people as well. Mm, I appreciate you. And for anyone who missed the book recommendations before, can you go ahead and drop those one more time? Sure. Uh, the Message of You by Judy Carter and then Founder Brand by Dave Gerhardt. Mm. Thank you so much for joining me today. And you've just shared immense value. I'm so thankful to you. And I hope to welcome you back another time on the show. Jamie, it was absolutely wonderful to be on your show. Thank you so much. 